Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that will still be around in five years. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who just celebrated his second wedding anniversary. Yes, that's me, Ryan Newman. (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's actually kind of the third oh my bad third okay so i'm wrong <laughs> time flies yeah. and i'm joined by the other brother who recently celebrated his first <laughs> yeah hope you get that one good, good guess you got that one that's me trey newman all right well on today's episode we are going to predict the power five head coaches that will still be at their current jobs five years from now uh, but first, we have uh, some news to get to and a five-star review. Yeah. So the Trent. first five-star review is um, from Ohio State Fan 101. Gives us five stars, like most of the talent they pull in. Uh, Buckeye for life. It says, Ohio State Buckeye for life. What do you guys think about C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud's their, uh, one, their big quarterback commit. He's... Rancho Cucamonga, I saw. I didn't even realize that he was from Rancho Cucamonga, but he was um, kind of reading up on him. He's got a sweet arm. They, uh, he's kind of a late bloomer since he just started in high school as a as a junior, finally. But uh, he's he's pretty gifted, and I don't see why he won't succeed under Ryan Day. Yeah, I don't have I nothing mean, to they're add. They're gonna there. kill it. These are gonna kill. It. I mean, he's a big time. I'm sure big time will. player, dude. They have some good athletes right. over there in Rancho Cucamonga, man. They mm-hmm. really do. Mostly hoops, though. Well, thank you very much for that review. Uh, so let's now get to a, a rundown of of each Power Five conference as far as what what are when are their plans to start the season and what is their their schedule like. So Ryan, get us started with the ACC. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So ACC, they're looking to start uh, the week of September seventh, so the, after the uh, good old Labor Day, um, and their plan is to play um, 10, 10 conference games. Plus, they'll have an additional one non-conference game, but it has to be played in their home state. So you're not allowed to leave your leave your area, I guess, just to avoid getting on a plane and traveling. So, yeah, there you and go. that was kind of awkward because they seemingly had that that extra game because of the you know the Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry, Florida Florida State, and then what was it the next day that the SEC said they're just conference only? Yeah, oops. So. I guess those games aren't happening. Clemson, South Carolina. Did we say that? You say that? Yeah. There, there you go. That too. Yep. All right. The uh, the Big 12, they're going to play one non-conference game either at the end of August or in early September before they get into conference play. Um, they haven't yet determined it, the exact start date of conference play, but uh, the Big 12 in their press release mentioned it would be in mid to late September. And they're going to go to a nine plus one model. So I mentioned the one non-conference game, but then they're going to play a true round robin like they already do the nine conference games. Uh, so, and the, the, I was reading that the goal is to have the big their big marquee game, Texas Oklahoma, in October and still in the Cotton Bowl. Whether there'll be fans or not is one thing, but uh, something to look forward to. All right, the uh, the Big Ten, of course, was the the first domino to drop here which is already like a month ago that they made that announcement, which is pretty crazy. Uh, And they finally today announced their schedule. So they're going to be starting from September 3rd through the 5th, and they're going to play a 10-game conference-only schedule with uh, two buys built in there and then another open week at the end of the season uh, before the conference championship on December 5th. And we'll get to these schedules, I'm sure, another time, but just one thing i noticed was that ohio state and penn state the two favorites from the east do not play uh wisconsin and minnesota the two favorites from the west so all four of those teams pretty pretty good roads it's bs man (laughs) (laughs) every year you're not happy about nebraska's schedule every year just draw the short end of the straw man Uh, or else we deserve to get the full the full straw so but still (laughs) yeah well i mean it's just the schedule holding us back that's what it is yeah. Exactly. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next right, how one. about the Pac-12? Uh, yeah, Pac-12. Uh, they uh, are also going to do a uh, a 10-game conference-only schedule. 
Um, it's going to start late though. They'll be the late, the late ones to the party, uh, starting September 26th. Uh, so California has some of those schools. Like I think it's like UW and maybe a couple of, maybe Cal, they start like, that's when they start school really late. So late September. So kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Pac-12. Yeah. Yep. And then finally the SEC, they announced they're just going to strictly conference only 10 games set to begin on they're also starting late september 26th uh they haven't as of the time we record this they haven't released the actual slate of games but uh it should be interesting there'll be a couple more conference games that that we'll get to see these sec sec teams play so it'd be even more competitive than uh than years past so that'll that'll be fun to watch all right and then just to to add on here uh uconn became the first fbs school to just completely cancel their season which makes sense. They're independent and it's life's tough right now for independents other than Notre Dame because they've got they were that in such ACC a tough connection. Spot scheduling games, it seems like already anyways, because they were yeah. in a conference last year, then now not in a conference. I mean, it had to be impossible for them. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll get to the G5 when there's more clarity there, because I think a lot of those conferences it's still kind of unclear of the plan. Um, and then Division Two and Division Three, uh, the NCAA announced have canceled those fall sports championships and i think a lot of the conferences right have already canceled their seasons so yes not looking not looking good for them no okay uh next piece of news the pac-12 um and the big 10 have released well some players in the pac-12 and the big 10 have released letters in the the players tribune so for the pac-12 their hashtag we are united is a, a group of players threatening to sit out the season if their demands are not met. And these demands include measures aimed at protecting the player's health in the wake of COVID-19, protecting smaller sports from being discontinued, ending racial injustice, and various economic demands, including increased medical expense coverage for sports-related injuries, name, image, and likeness rights. And then, of course, the big one, 50% of revenue to be allocated to the players. And then the, the Big Ten United letter came from over a thousand Big Ten athletes, and their demands are primarily aimed at protections uh, for players related to COVID-19. And so obviously there's a a lot to unpack here, and we could talk about this for a long time, but what are your just kind of general thoughts about uh, these two movements? I mean, it's hard not to support the the movements. I mean, it seems like for so long now that, uh, I mean, these kids almost have been, I don't want to say taking advantage of, but like, we get a lot of benefit and there's a lot of people that gain a lot of benefit from the fact of them playing this game for us and us to watch and the coaches make millions of dollars and the admin makes millions of dollars and there's companies that sell shirts and things that make millions of dollars, yet the players don't make anything. They, I know they get the education, but it just seems like there needs to be a little bit more equity for them. Uh, they deserve to be treated a little bit better. So a lot of these things that they're they're asking for, uh, I have no problem with. Um uh, they deserve every um, opportunity to go for those things. Like, why not try? If I'm a player, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, now it's just an awakening of time. Like, it's, you know, with the health crisis that we're dealing with and with the social justice issues, um, I think we're just becoming more of a, a uh, more aware of these types of problems that have been going on for so long. Yeah. And I, yeah. when you look at it in a bubble, like just this particular year, uh, this is a perfect time. I understand why they're concerned about, um, they only they may basically think they're being used just for revenue and not worried about their health concerns since we're kind of pushing them along to play when there's this like you said Ryan this this crisis going on around us you know the demands for their the fifty percent of money might be a stretch but hey it can't can't hurt to ask what's the worst they're gonna do like they're gonna say no like yeah. um and I mean I do agree that e- even if that is a stretch there needs to be some balance there whether it's um uh you know an actual dollar amount or or something some percentage cut that they get uh and you know they do get the value like you said ryan they do get the value of school and scholarships and that's a that's a great benefit but they should be get a little bit more skin in the game uh it's not up to me though to decide how much or or how little but uh, the thing i'm more interested in with this movement we saw how the pac-12 started it the big 10 kind of made their own similar list of demands maybe not as uh as big of a reach, but I'm more interested to see how this, if this snowballs into the other conferences and if, if players actually do hold out because of this, it'll be fascinating to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think both you guys make good points. I think these 
movements are a good thing because the players are obviously the the largest stakeholders in college athletics and yet they have very little voice in the in the system and now they're trying to exercise it and i think that's that's a good thing i saw a lot of people on twitter and on reddit very angry with the demands from in particular the pac-12 group but honestly i i can't muster any anger at it like if i'm going to be outraged it's going to be with the people in power who have fought for decades to prevent players from having name image and likeness rights for who have drawn up policies like the the restitution rule the infamous restitution rule that has prevented athletes from getting their day in court and just in general the the system seeming to place way more emphasis on you know the schools and the ncaa shielding themselves from liability rather than taking care of the players so that's that's just the way i look at it and i'll also add that well, I've got a, a few points to add to to the people calling a lot of their demands ridiculous. The first is that you can think that about you know X, Y, or Z uh, of their demands, but you can still respect and address what you deem to be reasonable requests. Like nothing is stopping you from doing that. And second of all, I've I've read quotes from multiple players. They get it. They understand that like this is this is the start of a conversation. This is a negotiation. They're not just going to give them fifty percent of revenue. I think yeah, they, that's that one's a little like and they know that's not going to happen. The NFL right. didn't even get that. That's about what they get, isn't it? Yeah, and the NFL. I, know, I probably, think it's a little under. A little under, yeah. So, um, and then the third thing is some of the requests, some of the requests that people have called unrealistic are not nearly as unrealistic as they're making it out to be. I'll just give one example. So. The Pac-12 players want coverage for sports-related medical conditions that extend, or medical, yeah, injuries, whatever. Injuries, yeah. That extend six years after they graduate. And uh, Brady Quinn was one person I noted that was very angry about this. And so people just say, oh, that's crazy. Well, the Pac-12 just a few years ago, at least from what I've read, became the only conference to require schools to pay post-college medical costs for sports-related injuries for at least four years. So that's already in place for four years. I mean, six, it's more. Maybe you're not in favor of that, but it doesn't seem crazy like I've seen some people some people point out. So yeah, I, and, and just the final point I'll have, I know I've been going on for a long time here, but you're believe good. it or not, this is, my, this is my reduced, I have like a- Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have two pages of stuff here that mm-hmm. I would like to say, but no one wants to hear it. So final point is that a lot of these requests seem unreasonable because the way- the system is currently set up and the way the universities and athletic departments operate. But in the coming years and probably more likely decades, it's hard not to think that there's going to be drastic changes because it seems unsustainable to have a billion dollar industry that continues to grow where the labor isn't really partaking in very much of that upside at all. So it's been stuck in the, in the same boat for decades before college football really was college football you know, yeah. like they, before it started making the billions of dollars, it was just kind of a, you know, another sport. But yeah, it's now it's just it's stuck in the past. It, yeah. And it's it like 10, 15, a little bit. even like 10, 15 years ago, people were obviously vehemently arguing against this name, image and likeness. Oh, they're going to go out what a car dealership's going to, you know, pay a guy a million dollars to X, Y, Z. And you can see now here we are in 2020, the name, image and likeness, it's coming, it, whether you like it or not. They're going to be allowed to do it, this. I mean, it might be. It makes no step by sense step. why they wouldn't be allowed to do it. I agree with you, but <laughs> like, what is? I understand the, a lot of people listening do not agree with us. So yeah, but that's the but, conversation. That's what these players are doing. They're starting an adult, the conversation, have, and so we can, you know, they're adults. Yeah, they can. <laughs> I mean, I, they should be allowed to work. And I just saw money. that the Pac-12, uh, Larry Scott, and I think a couple athletic directors have set up a phone call with some of the leaders of the Pac-12 United movement. So that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking to, like I said, start a conversation and, and try and get some things done. So yeah, I think that's good. All right, moving on. Uh, next bit of news, two potential first-round picks, Caleb Farley, a cornerback for Virginia Tech, and Rashad Bateman, a receiver for Minnesota, have announced that they're going to be sitting out this season. It's also been rumored, I don't think it's official, that Micah Parsons, uh, could the linebacker for Penn State, might do the same yeah what are your guys thoughts on this do you think that's we're going to see a lot more players sitting out i think um, so i, I think yeah, it's go trending i think i think it is it's trending that way especially with as more and more time goes on as we get closer to the season and if there is 
especially if there's like another delay to the start of the season. I think pe- the the unknown factor is that the players are just going to kind of weather w- or weigh, you know, the risk versus reward, especially for those guys that are in slated to be probably first rounders. Some of the 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 guys that won't get drafted, you might not see it as much, but I'm I'm guessing the guys that in the first couple of rounds, they're really going to think twice about this not having it be a a normal circumstance of a season. They might they might think twice. Yeah, and and I th- definitely think it'll be more than just these couple and few that might happen. It's going to be, I think it'll be a little more, and it'll be guys that are not even for draft picks. It'll just be guys that are just don't want to play in this circumstance. They just feel like it's the wrong decision. So, um, and I have, I mean, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I mean, if they got to make the right choice for them. So if I'm a fan or whatever, and one of my, one of the players on my team says, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I, I hope people just leave the kid alone and say, Hey, we understand yeah. and that's that you know like who knows maybe the kid these kids have underlying health issues that prevent them or maybe they're more, more high risk we don't know it's not like they're going to disclose their health information it's like so yeah yeah and honestly can't judge and honestly i wouldn't even judge a player even if this was a normal season if trevor yeah. lawrence said hey you know what i'm gonna yeah. be the number one or number two pick next year i'm just sitting out because i don't want to get hurt or whatever even then i wouldn't blame it's the rest any- of your life you're you're risking i guess if you're him if by playing yeah if you get a catastrophic injury it's amazing like think about it like what about five years ago is really when the trend started of players sitting out of bowl games yeah give or take whatever you know and before that though that was kind of unheard of and then Mm. now this is happening and it's like it's pretty commonplace now you would think it the next step is to have what Michael you just said like maybe yeah. those top few guys really think about their junior or senior year but yeah that's I a, remember that's a, that's a question down the road that's part of the reason why these of treating the players better making sure that they're getting at least more share of the pie or whatever it is so that it'll because like right now what's the benefit for Trevor Lawrence types of guys? Like I'm, they're not paying me at anything. I'm not benefiting at all by playing really. I mean, you know, I guess notoriety, but I've already won a national championship. I'm going to be a top three pick. So it's like, what's convincing me to play? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe that and if would he be... wants, if he wants to play just because he wants to play, then more oh, power. Yeah. To, oh, to yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, sorry, Clemson fans. We're just using him as an example. <laughs> yeah. Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts. Good thing. Do the same thing. Sure. Uh, okay. What, uh, okay. Well, actually one last piece of news is that, uh, Phil Jerkovic, the sophomore quarterback who transferred from Notre Dame to Boston college has been ruled immediately eligible. So how big of a deal is this for Boston college? (laughs) I mean, for Boston college, it's huge. Like, I don't know how much of a game changer he is, but he's an upgrade at quarterback for them. Considering that they lost Anthony Brown to Oregon, like this is, this is a big thing. And then they, I think they get him for three years too. Yeah. Uh, so that's so. that's big. So even if they can kind of work him in and under Halfley's system for this his first year, and then he'll have the reins for the next couple of years, assuming he's he pans out. Yeah, I know. There's no doubt. I mean, whenever you can add a a, a big time recruit that when he was coming out of high school and a lot of potential, and just going to add a lot of depth. Uh, so I mean, I don't know if he'll start. It'll be probably a close battle. Uh, I I would think he will. I mean, I, I, I don't think know. He, I mean, he will just take over the reins. I mean, I it's mean, not it's like Boston. He doesn't have a ton around him, but he yeah. looks. We'll see. Yeah, yeah he's Talented. he's got way more potential than what Grossell was was is slated to yeah, be the starter. I, mean, I guess for sure. It's just a matter of getting the system down in time. I guess. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, let's get into the uh, the main exercise of the episode, and this idea stemmed from one of our patrons, Jeremy. Uh, responding to a question that I asked in a Patreon episode, which was, will Manny Diaz still be at Miami in five years? And so that just kind of triggered the idea for this episode. Um, And so we're going to go through each of the Power Five conferences. Well, well, first of all, I'll just say right now, there's obviously 64 Power Five head coaches. 19 of them have been there for at least five, five years. So to make things simple for this exercise, we're going to assume that in five years, that number is still going to be 19. We just got to decide who are those 19 guys. And it could be the same guys, you know, some of them that are, are have, you know, like uh, Dabo Sweeney, obviously, will likely be someone that we choose. He's already been there for five years, but nah. we would expect five more. Uh, so uh, we're going to assume the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC each get four of these coaches. 
And then the Big 12, only three because they only have 10 teams. So let's go. Let's start with the, the ACC, Trey, who's uh, the most likely guy to I mean, still be there. Sorry to steal <laughs> yeah. your thunder. No, no. I mean, of course, it's the the obvious one, the elephant in the room, Dabo. Um, I have to take the obvious one here. I mean, we've discussed this before. Like, if he stays, he can be the guy, the legend uh, at Clemson. Uh, there's no real reason for him to leave unless he absolutely feels the need to take his alma mater Alabama job um, when Saban hangs it up. But I just I just don't see it. I see him yeah. staying. Agreed. Yeah, he's the the clear number one, maybe the number one just yeah the, in the whole country, not just might the be. ACC. Might I'd, be the, the most yeah, likely. Maybe not number one. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. So second choice here, I'm going to say even though – He's a little bit older. I'm going Mac uh, Brown okay. at yeah. North Carolina. Have to. He's. I feel very confident he's not going to get fired just because the way he's recruiting and just the momentum that the the program has right now. Uh, so the biggest threat is him retiring, and he's 68 years old. So that's definitely possible. But I think maybe he didn't come back to coaching just to be there for for three or four years. So maybe yeah, maybe six or seven. No, what it, is what it'll be. Yeah, that would have that would have been my second choice as well. Uh, and he's got Sam Howell for a couple more years, so he's going to have probably two least decent years coming up. So mm-hmm. he's buying himself some time there. Uh, okay, so this one makes it. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to go with um, Scott Satterfield as the uh, number three. Yeah, even though he's not re- recruiting lights out, but he has obviously had a very good over ex- over exceeded the expectations for the first year at Louisville, um, and. He was obviously very, really, really, really good at App State, and he's just a really good coach. And he got, um, he's going to have another good year this coming year. So, I mean, should have two good years in a row. He's got a ton of talent coming back. Um, but yeah, Satterfield I'm, seems kind of like the next guy. I was considering a couple guys at Bronco Mendenhall. Like, well, wait a second, wait a second. We're, we're still going. We're still, we're still going. going. We're still oh, going. Oh, sorry, this is ACC. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> yeah, we still, we still got a couple guys. I, I agree on Satterfield. I think the only thing in my eyes would be as if he actually took another job. I think he's, yeah, I think he's, uh, cause I agree with you, Ryan. I, I like him and I think he's going to do well there. It's just, mm-hmm. that would be the only concern I'd have. All right. Mm-hmm. My third guy, this is tough. No, this is the fourth guy. So this is the last. Oh, that's right. See, we're, yeah. we are botching this, right? Yeah, I'm screwing this up. <laughs> yeah, so screwing you screwed up. me up. No, I'm going to go with the last guy then. And we can, this is kind of a collaborative thing. So if you're not yeah. sure, Ryan and I can, well, can help out. I mean, there's a lot of options actually, but I'm going to say Mike Norvell. Uh, he's mm. the newest, newest to the party, of course. It's obviously very tough when you're at a program like Florida State. You kind of got to win early and often, but I, I think I believe in him. I think he's going to turn, get things turned around. It, I don't think it takes that much to turn around. They have so much talent on the roster that I don't think they're that far from being relevant again. Um, and, and FSU is a destination school. So even if he has success in his first few years, I don't see him going anywhere else. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's true. kind of the way I, I went with there. So I didn't even really consider Norvell just because, I mean, just because it's a, it's a job with a lot of, with very high expectations. And just in yeah. general, I kind of avoided first year head coaches because you just don't know what to expect. And I probably most of them don't make it five years. Um, but I mean, it's a reasonable yeah. choice. I would have taken Dave Clawson. I think that fourth. was that was who I was with. That was my other guy. Yeah, because he's he's done a very good job there, so he's he's safe from from getting fired. I would think, and he's also he hasn't been a huge name for higher profile jobs. Like you don't hear his name thrown out there too much. So I yeah, I just have more confidence that he'll be there. What, what yeah, about you, Ryan? Well at Wake. Ryan, did yeah. you? Who are you considering? For my like the fifth one, oh yeah, uh, for four. No, those were the all, those were all the guys. I I said Bronco Menhall earlier, but uh, mm-hmm. he would be there just because he's you know he turned around Virginia pretty well. So okay, so I'm just we're we're doing we're making these picks together. So Trey's fourth pick is reflecting on all of us. Ryan, are you okay with <laughs> with Mike Norvell or Trey? Have I convinced you about Clausen? Are we sticking with Norvell? I would rather have Clausen, but wow. The thing about wow, <laughs> are we going to veto Trey? I'm just well. How are we going to do this? Are we going to have each person make their own pick, or are we kind of voting on the last one? We can. Uh, 
if we, we can go collaborative, that's fine for the fourth one. <laughs> I feel like I just, just bold. No, no, no. Let's many stakes here. We'll go collaborative for the fourth one. But hey, I believe in Norvell, but I think I got, I just got outnumbered two to one on, uh, with Clausen, which yeah. I, it's, it's fine. I, I do like Clausen. He's done great at Wake. Okay. All right. Well, so I guess no our Fuente, four then are Dabo Sweeney. No What's yeah. that, Ryan? I'm just thinking of some other guys that maybe people would consider, like, you know, Fuente or Jeff Collins, maybe. Fuente, Fuente like, do it. I like. Oh, yeah, Jeff Collins. Fuente flirted with Baylor this past year. Yeah, There's already Fuente turmoil. Would, he's kind of yeah. on a hot seat at kind of a. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mendenhall. Mendenhall is, is a good one, too. He's he's up Diaz, there. If you're going to throw in Diaz, Bell, maybe but Diaz. year one wasn't great on the field. So that. Yeah. Yeah. Got him yeah. off the list for me. Yeah. Fair. And Trey, you brought up Cutcliffe, I think, right? You said Cutcliffe? No, I, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, he was an option, um, but his contract like is just, up. And, he's kind of, yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah, he's he's been coaching for a long time. I'll say that. It, it's just like, what at what more can he, like, what, I feel like he's just kind of almost running into a wall at Duke. I don't know. It's it's yeah. so tough there. Yeah. I, and I, I'm the biggest Cutcliffe guy there is, but I, it's just that I don't know how much more there okay. is. All right, so Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown, Scott Satterfield, and Dave Clausen. Uh, okay, <laughs> sorry, Trey. Overruled. <laughs> Overruled. Hey, you guys can overrule me. We're about to get to the Big 12. Yeah. I'm going to have the last pick here. Uh, Ryan, you've got the, the first choice. Yeah, this one, I don't know, maybe I'll surprise you guys with it. I'm going to go Mike Gundy. Yeah, oh, that's great. Number one. I feel like he's, okay. just since, I mean, he's he's 52 years old. He's, so he's Even though he's been coaching for quite a long time, he's still relatively young. Uh, the only season he missed a bowl game was his very first year coaching, which was like, I think 2005. So, I mean, there's, there's really no risk of him getting fired anytime soon. He's built up so much equity in that program. Um, and I mean, he's got, it should have another very good team this year. So just buy him even more years. So yeah, I just feel like he's the safest. He's been there the longest. He's kind of, he kind of is Oklahoma state football at this point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a good safe pick. Yeah, I had him second. I think the he's flirted with other programs, but that constantly keeps happening, and yet he's always I think the stayed fl- at I Oklahoma State. I think the flirtatious State. behavior is almost over. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it and it just yeah, he uses it as leverage, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I have I have two guys, and it's not easy. No, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley can do whatever the heck he wants. He can stay there. It looks like for for sure five years, but he could also go to the NFL. He's not going to take another mm-hmm. college job. You know, his offense is going to keep them in the mix. The way that they're recruiting in the Big 12, like, they're they're not going away anytime soon. Like, he, there's no reason why this machine's going to really slow down enough for him to, to get the axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even if Oklahoma fans are concerned that he goes to the playoff each year and still doesn't break through, it's like, what more really can he do with that? Like, he's he's getting there. Their, their, their defense is turning around, so... I'm going to say Lincoln Riley. Yeah. NFL is the only, only real threat there. So uh, I, I agree with that. This is tough. So this is the, we're only doing three coaches for the, the big 12. I am split between two guys. Uh, so Matt Campbell of Iowa state mm. and Gary Patterson of TCU. What do you guys, mm. is that, were those two guys you guys would consider or I was thinking uh, K state. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Kleiman, he seems Chris to, Kleiman. year one was good, seems to be a good fit uh, there. But I guess the reason I didn't I mean, have him is, you know, it's only one year. He's still not yeah. totally proven as a head coach. Yeah, I I was considering Kleiman. Um, but if you, you know, had to go those two, I know Ryan likes Neil Brown. So do uh, like Neil, Brown. Neil Brown, there's and risk he could move on to a better thing, job. Neil Brown, I there's think also might, risk yeah. he, there's also risk. The potential risk he could get fired, even though I'm, yeah. I'm high on him. Yeah, and there's yeah. also before we get to your decision too, Tom Herman is just constantly on the hot seat, and mm-hmm. it'd be yeah. tough to to put money to say that he'd be there in five if he years. Has a bad year this year, he's done. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Patterson and Campbell, those are I'll, those are I'll make the case for both right now. So for if we're going Campbell, it's you know he says he wants to to stay there and. And, and stay put and obviously he's not it's very very difficult to see him getting fired he's done such a great job there and yeah. doesn't look to be stopping anytime soon um and he's got a, a long-term contract extension so he's he's 
he can be set there for a while, obviously, if he wants to be. Uh, for Gary Patterson, the case is he's been there forever. He's a legend there. He's built up so much equity that even though three of the last four seasons have been mediocre, he's going to have a very long leash. Um, and he's only 59 years old, so maybe he'll decide to, to hang it up in the next five years, but I, I don't think that's a super high would, chance of that. I would lead Campbell between those two guys. Okay, I think I'll lean Campbell too, actually, because it's going to take the perfect job like Ohio State or, I don't know, maybe the NFL or something to, mm-hmm. to pry him away. So I'll... I'll take I'll take Matt Campbell then. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Cool. All right, Dave so. Miranda. <laughs> You're just naming back on the Baylor wagon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we got Lincoln Riley, Mike Gundy, and Matt Campbell will still be around in five years, according to the Bros. Uh, let's get Book to the it. Big Ten. This I thought was the toughest conference because there's like six yeah. or seven guys you could you could pick, and in the first pick, I don't even know who to take. Um, I guess I'll just go with James Franklin. He's been, he's obviously going to be one of our four here. He's doing a great job there, recruits really well. He's from Pennsylvania, so it, it makes sense. And there's not many jobs better than Penn State. So, uh, yeah. yeah, James Franklin. Yep. Okay. I'll take Ryan Day, uh, number two. He's, I guess, the, really the only risk for him is NFL as well. He's, you know, young and he has coached in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe he'll have the desire to go back. Um, but you know, after only one year of being the the head coach, uh, I, I still think he'll have five. Maybe he could still be there five years before deciding to hop to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Paul Christ, Wisconsin. He could mm-hmm. have been the number one pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with him. They're just piling up wins. They're getting to Rose Bowls. They have a solid grasp on the West uh, in the West Division of the Big Ten. Uh, it's just so strong. Wisconsin is kind of like a well-oiled machine right now. They just keep humming, and you don't really see it slowing down, or at least not dramatically. Recruiting is getting and, even better. Yeah. So I, I, and I don't, I don't see him taking another college gig. I guess I think he's, he seems like he's pretty happy, pretty comfortable in in Madison. Um, I don't see him. Being maybe I'm wrong, but really many other gigs. Yeah, this is like the perfect job for him. His temperament and his style seems like this is the perfect school for him to be at and so you saw what happened when Chris. you saw what happened when brett bielema left to go you know for more money it didn't of course end up working out for him so now ended up going for less money and even paul christ his prior job was at Pitt, and that didn't go super well so yeah, yeah. i agree i think he's he's set there and barry now, alvarez michael, is going to have his back now michael i don't envy you on this this fourth oh. pick because this is like mm. there's literally i could throw five in the ring and you, none of them are wrong i'm gonna throw out a bunch of names then so pat fitzgerald at northwestern uh jim harbaugh at michigan greg Schiano at rutgers yeah pj fleck at minnesota kirk ferentz at iowa scott frost nebraska i'll throw that in there yeah, um, yeah. but he's not gonna be the pick uh i don't know because you even got like mel tucker he's a first year but yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to take a first year guy. So I'm Tom Allen. Yeah, Tom game. Allen. Yeah, he's but and just one good year so far. Year. I mean, I, I expect right. them to be good going forward, but I don't think he's going to be in the top if he four. Could put here. together two good years in a row, which this year they're supposed to be solid. Then that's buys you probably quite a bit of time. True in Indiana. True. Um, just so, saying, if that guy's so down on the list, then your list is pretty good. Exactly. Like, so I'm I'm between, I guess. Pat Fitzgerald and Jim Harbaugh. So Fitzgerald, he's got a very long leash given all that he's accomplished there. Last he's and he's only forty five years old, so it's not like he's going to retire. Um, last year's three and nine season was concerning. So that's I don't know what am I worried about? He's going to get fired. I guess that's possible if he has a few yeah. a few bad years. There's also if he yeah. turns it around and and continues to win like he had been, I guess he could leave for a bigger job, but. That would take quite a turnaround. Yeah, seems unlikely. I'm I'm leaning towards Jim Harbaugh just because if he keeps winning nine or ten games, I don't think Michigan's going to look out there and see any better options. And yep. for Harbaugh, I don't think he's going to be. Obviously, not another big college job would would go after him. Nope. And the NFL kind of the ending didn't work out there. So I don't know. It just seems like, and it's his alma mater. I think he might be there for quite a long time what do you guys think so jim harbaugh you okay with that pick or i was if i had to 
put up anyone against him. Fitzgerald's good, but maybe him and Fleck. But I guess Fleck could leave. I would put up Ference. Ference? Really? This offseason hasn't been so well, good for I him. Know. I know. The offseason has been kind of rough, but they haven't fired him yet. Um, or anything about yeah, that. I mean, so. Ference, he got the risk off- of retirement. And like, yeah. And because of the the scandal this past but he's not year, that old, yeah. The, but I, the, I do think, I think if I had to say, I'm more comfortable with uh, Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm good with Harbaugh. Good That's with fine. Harbaugh. By the way, we never even mentioned Brom, right? Yeah, Jeff no. Brom. I, I like him too, and he he turned down Louisville, right? So he's uh, yeah seems to be committed there at least for a while. I'd I'd be interested to hear from like a Michigan fan on this because I think. You know, the outside world is just so, oh, they haven't beat Ohio State, and so Jim Harbaugh sucks. But, like, you know, yeah, that's disappointing, but, man, they're still pretty dang good. Like, who else are you going to get? Who else are you going to get at yeah. Michigan? Like, maybe I'm maybe I'm got my blinders on because I like Harbaugh, but. I think I think there's probably factions on, on both sides in the, the Michigan fan base, you know, and but I think a lot of them would say, just from what I've, you know, reading message boards, reading Reddit, it seems like a lot of them are, are saying, you know, we're, we'd like to be better, but like we said, who are we going to get that's better right now? Yeah. They're a couple plays away from being like... Exactly. Title the title. narrative would be changed so much. Okay. But they didn't. So the Big Ten, we chose James Franklin, Paul Christ, Ryan Day, and Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pack 12. Trey, you've got the, the first pick here. All right. I'm going to go Mario Cristobal, Oregon. Uh, they're just really they've always kind of gotten some some good talent but now they're getting a lot of top talent uh they just won the rose bowl there's not really many schools in my eyes that could come open that he'd leave for uh we mentioned on the last pod maybe like in alabama but or uh, miami I just his alma mater the u that's true the um i mean i'm not saying it's impossible of course right. but there's there's not many out there so it would take the perfect perfect storm and i just feel like oregon and Cristobal are going to succeed in the next few years yeah i mean that's a good good pick no doubt Mm -hmm. um i will gladly take kyle whittingham yeah with the uh, number two pick he's been at utah since 1994 (laughs) in uh, coaching capacity uh he's been the head coach in so five but you know yeah what 26 27 seasons 26 seasons i guess he's been a coach there now that's i mean that is uh, hard to go against took him a few years to adjust the pac-12 uh, but they've had at least nine wins in five out of the last six years. So safe to say he's adjusted quite well. Um, it's just hard to imagine them f- firing him within no. five years. Like that ain't going to happen. No. And he's not going to go anywhere else. Like he's been there so it long. It would be, it'd be a big surprise. It would be a surprise like yeah. when um, Bronco Mendenhall left BYU. It'd be kind of similar to that, but I wouldn't bet on Maybe it. Maybe even more. Yeah. Um, and he's 60. So he's he's not... You know, he's not in the near range of where you would think he would retire. Okay. Yeah, those are the clear top two picks. I'll say uh, Herm Edwards for Arizona State. He oh. has the program headed in the right direction. They're recruiting well. They've got a good young quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's 65 years old, so retirement is a risk. But kind of like with with um, Mac Brown, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you really come back to just be there for three or four years seems like a workaholic type of guy i think he could uh keep it going he wants to work for a while i don't know yeah it's a vibe okay all right final pick final pick trey i am between two guys and i'm pretty comfortable that these would be the two guys well okay so i'm between justin wilcox and jimmy lake actually i'm actually gonna go with wilcox um he's made steady progress each year they have a promising team heading into 2020. His defensive track record has really elevated Cal. Obviously, they've they've improved so much there, and I think the growth is going to continue. Cal isn't um, it, it is it isn't a program where the fan base would just run them out of town with one or even two bad years compared to you know some other schools out there where there's more immense pressure to win immediately. I'm going to take Wilcox here as my third, mm. or as the fourth, I the guess. The fourth. Yeah. Who did you have, Ryan? It was between yeah, Wilcox and Lake. Um so I also can I also consider I sorry I interrupted. What what were you saying? No, go for it. I, no, I also considered good. Jonathan Smith at because he's at his yeah. alma mater, had a good second year, but I still need him to prove more. David Shaw is is a possibility. He flirts every year. Built up a ton of equity there and and Stanford is not a 
pressure cooker so he could uh, survive some a few down years, but but I don't like the direction they're going. So I also would have gone with Justin Wilcox. I agree. I okay. I guess I got my vote. I I would have gone with Lake, but uh, well, the, I think there's there's greater upside with Lake, but it's there's a lot Wilcox, of there's some I risk. Just feel too. like it could teeter the other way. You know, like it. He's not so far ahead of like you know being successful. Like he's he's being successful ish, but it's not <laughs> like he's. So he's, you know, tearing it up. I yeah. hear you. I almost think he's in kind of the perfect position here because he's, he's gone seven and five the, the last two, two regular seasons, which is kind of perfect to where he's comfortable at Cal. Like that's, that's acceptable. That's, that's solid. But he's also not done so well that it's like, ooh, I got to worry big time about him, you know, taking a, a big job that's better than Cal. So he's kind of in that middle territory yeah, he where he could stick a- around for a while. And I will say that, like Trey said, things are looking up. So. Um, and with Jimmy Lake, I, there's a little bit of a boomer bust. Like I mm-hmm. think he's going to do well, but there's also the potential. This is his first a head lot coaching of talent gig. coming in for these there next is. No, four and years. Gets great talent, and he's great on the defensive side. But yeah. he's also following there's, Chris Peterson, so there's high expectations. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's going to be a hard time for them not to have you know eight eight type win seasons there considering how far ahead in the recruiting they are to a lot of the Pac-12 schools. They should be. Yeah. That's, but there's pressure and... You got outvoted, yeah, yeah. Brian. Give it up. <laughs> Tough call. Tough call. All right. Tough SEC time. Uh, Ryan, you have the first pick here. It was tough. The first pick was tough. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of down to... I was kind of down to two guys. It's, it's down to two up. guys for sure. Maybe three. Maybe three. Yeah, maybe three. I, maybe, yeah. Well, maybe four. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> All right. Well, let's just get to like, it then. <laughs> I'm going to go with Eddie O. Uh, okay. He won a national title. You, that's got to buy you quite a few years. And the recruiting is obviously insane. So they're not going to be bad. No way. I mean, they might fall off a little bit and drop to maybe against seven or eight, eight win season maybe. But they're not in danger of, you know, tanking with all the talent. So, you know, uh, coming off national title. And he's at his dream job. There's zero chance that he's oh, leaving yeah. voluntarily. So that's good. Uh, well, that goes with pretty much everybody in this list. Yeah, pretty much. The only risk is is the Gene Chizik factor. If he has some sort of, you know, Gene Chizik went 14-0 and and two years later got fired. I mean, I don't see that happening, but that's the the only risk. Fair. Uh, yep. Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Well, I'm taking Kirby Smart at Georgia. He's bringing in number one or near number one classes every year. He's won 13, 11, and 12 games the last three seasons. It's his alma mater. I just, I don't see why he won't still be there. I Yeah, that was the good good pick there. All right, I'm going to go, I don't know if it's a surprise, but I'm going to go Dan Mullen. No, that's the uh, obvious next pick, I, I think. Yeah, yep. he's 21 wins in his first two seasons. New Year's six wins starting to look like it's going to be between Florida and Georgia for the the SEC East. Tennessee is trying to nip them now, but um, he's kind of known as a quarterback whisperer. He's not going to take another college job um, that I would no. that I foresee. Yeah, um, and no. I, I haven't. You don't really hear his name in the NFL circles, so I think uh, I think Dan Mullen is a is a safe pick here. Yep, yep. That's that was my third as well. Uh, okay, fourth. Now it's tough. For me, it's, be- now it's, tough. This is it's tough. between two guys, um, Saban um, and Jimbo Fisher. And Ryan, could you tell um, the listeners who don't know, where does Nick Saban coach? Oh, yeah, sorry. Alabama <laughs> and then Jimbo Fisher at Texas a Oh, thank you so much. Sorry. Uh, yeah, those two guys. So the question is, do you have more faith in Saban staying there for coaching for five more years or if Fisher's going to end up being successful at Texas A&M? Yeah. I ultimately went with Saban. I think he does have five more years in him. He's 68 right now. So 73 is not something like unheard of. Um, and the, I mean, he's not going to be pushed out or anything like that. No. So it's, I don't know. He's just killing it still. Their recruiting is off off the charts again this year. So yeah, yeah I, I think you can keep it going five more years. I leaned towards Saban as well. What about you, Trey? God, it's tough. I mean, it's at tough. what point does he just get bored? I mean, not really <laughs> bored, but into you know the same thing over and over but he's about the process you watch some of those videos with him and belichick and like he's he did win the national title this past year yeah he's got clemson now to to kind of aim at that's something to shoot for and and georgia as like a a worthy foe from the east absolutely and lsu i guess in the west yeah lsu (laughs) 
Right. No, and I, I agree because I think um, it's similar to what we were talking about with Jimmy Lake. With Jimbo at A&M, there's some, there's some boomer bust. Like, we're, we're all pretty high on him, but he's had two years. It, it's not that far-fetched to where if they had two kind of average seasons that the heat would be really on. Yeah. So, Saban's more, more uh, a little bit safer probably. Yeah, I think we probably thought more about Jimbo Fisher than most people would because most people, the perception is like, eh, he's had a mediocre start there. I think it's been good when you look at the advanced metrics. And he's got a contract, that big contract that runs through 2027. Right. So that's, yeah, that's another factor they're, they're, here. They can't fire him in the next is a, couple of years. a tick in his favor. But, uh, but yeah, I think Saban's a, a solid pick. Did you consider anybody else? The lane train. The lane train, I Yeah. But that's such At a wild Miss, card. It's hard to. No, that is such a wild card. I I wouldn't really put him. Mark forth. Stoops. Mark Stoops. Maybe. Yeah, because he's you know he's built up some equity for sure in that program, but not good enough maybe to go somewhere else. But maybe he could go somewhere else if they if they continue this kind of climb up. He'll he'll be a yeah. he was a candidate for the FSU job, right? So yeah, he yeah, was true. Yeah, he was good. Point. Pruitt's having a very good off season, but Pruitt. it's tough to it's tough to. Ha- you know, these, the bottom half, no, not that Tennessee's in the bottom half, but the bottom half of the SEC, it's really hard to keep your job for five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Malzahn, but he's Malzahn always at too Auburn. much on the hot seat. Yeah. yeah. Perennial Auburn, hot seat. Yeah. Okay. Unjustly. Yep. All right. Well, okay. Last question here. We'll, we'll touch on the G5 just briefly. If you had to name one coach who was most mm. likely to, to still be at their, their position from the G5, who would it be? Uh, yeah, there's, to me, it came down to four, uh, okay. really three, I guess, when I think hard, uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame is a, uh, well, and yeah, we discussed this before the podcast, but yeah, if we included oh. independent, then sure. Oh, well in the outline, Michael, I follow the outline. Oh, did I say independent G5 in the outline? Slash, you says G5 slash indie. Oh, whoops. I'm the idiot. So independent moron. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So Brian Kelly would be hard to go against um what, what other guys are you thinking i for me it would kind of came down to two and i'll i'm gonna say mine and then i'll let michael see if he says it i'm gonna go ken niamatololo at navy yeah I just, he's not gonna take another fbs job well i guess he almost took arizona that, so cert- a couple that's of years true. ago i guess i i said that a little too yeah. confidently but let's put it this way i don't see him at this point taking one and and navy likes him he continue, continues to do well there they had a good bounce back season I think uh, Niamatololo is going to be there. Yeah, I didn't totally make a choice here because it was really difficult. I so I he's maybe my choice. I also considered Sonny Dykes at SMU. He's only fifty years old and you know just kind of returned to there. It seems like he'll want to just kind of ride it out there. Troy Calhoun at Air Force. It's his yeah. alma mater. Oh, that's a good one. And he's only that's fifty-three years old. Brian Harson at Boise State. Also his alma mater. That was kind of my second one. Yeah, the that risk is leaving second. for a better job. That's really the only risk, but it's going to take yeah, the perfect yeah. situation. Yeah, he might like the the friendly Boise confines. Mm-hmm. And then just a few more names. Craig Bull at Wyoming, Rick Stockstill at Middle Tennessee, and Doc Holliday at Marshall or some other guys in the yeah. in the running. So, you guys, so, I mean, we're throwing a lot out there, but did you guys even think about Josh Heupel or Luke Fickle? Or do you think they're they're on to the next one? I mean, it's possible, but I, think, I, I, Luke Fickle especially yeah. seems like, yeah. I mean, it could happen, but he's just such a big candidate for any job that comes open that I, I didn't consider him. And I guess sort of True. the same with Hypel, though. Fickle is a much better, I think, yep. prospect. Sure. Yep. I'm in the same way. Um, my pick will be Troy Calhoun. Um, that's pretty he, good. He is Air Force. Um, mm-hmm. he's been there 13 years and he's only missed three bowl games. Uh, and this past year, they what, finished in the top 25, I think, for the first time uh, in his tenure. So, I mean, it's, you know, hit between him and uh, Kenny Matololo, there just was like, Nia Matololo has been there 12 years and missed two bowl games. So, they're just like, and they're about the same age, but with that service cat and his both run similar offense. So, it's, yeah. how do you pick between those guys? That's I just, tough I don't call. Know. And both kind of had bounce back years this this past yeah. season. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go. I'm between Nia Matololo and Brian Harson, Ugh. I guess I'll go Niamatololo just because you guys, I think there's a better oh. chance at least that Harson takes another gig. You Trey, that's who you took, right? I'm yeah, yeah. Just because I think that's more likely Harson takes another job than it is Niamatololo. I'm consider I'm 
I'm surprised you didn't more consider Troy Calhoun, Michael. I, I totally do. I just I think I don't know. I'd have to look at Air Force's past records. I know Navy had a down year too, but it just feels like Navy's been more consistent than than Air Force. Maybe that's not true. Maybe well, if I looked it up, that that isn't the true. last 13 years missed three bowl games. Okay. It's tough. I don't know. Pretty I mean, good. sure. Troy Calhoun. What do I you mean, want me to say, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. they're like, there's, there's really no deciphering for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's tough call. Cool. All right. Well, how'd you guys, well, how would you grade our performance that episode? Give me a grade. Mm, I'd give Mila an F. I messed up on the anniversary date, I think, actually. I was <laughs> oh, no. off. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, we had an interesting 90-day yeah. fiancé thing, so. We are, uh, our third year will be for the one in November. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, nice. gotcha. You don't you have to right apologize to me. The two year <laughs> you summer don't have to when apologize you right, to me. Michael. Apologize to your wife. Yeah. And of course, of she course, all of our podcast, wives so. and fiancés are avid listeners, so they'll, they'll, they'll catch uh, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm safe. I'm definitely not going to be able to get in trouble. She, <laughs> she won't listen. <laughs> well, you do, well I, have a, I have a cell phone and I can text her. So. Well, we're no longer brothers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ryan gets an F for himself. Trey, what would you grade yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a solid B+. Plus. B+, plus? okay. I'll give myself a C because I talk too much. Classic, yeah. classic mm. problem. Tough classic, critic. Michael. Cool. All right, well, that'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. If you like the show and you want more episodes or you want to join our Discord chat, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash college football bros and we'll talk to you next week you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to college football bros at gmail.com to keep up with the brothers on social media like them on facebook at college football bros follow them on instagram at college football bros and for their commentary on saturdays follow them on twitter at cfb bros Thanks for listening.